Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. We are in the fourth and final week of a series leading up to Easter that we're calling Parables. And it's where we're looking at some of the parables of Jesus. And that word parable, it actually is a Greek word that comes from two words that are combined into one. Para, which means alongside, and then bole, which means to throw. So parable, here's what it means. A parable is simply a story that is thrown alongside a truth. And the purpose of that parable is to help you understand that truth. And Bible scholars estimate that about 35% of Jesus's recorded teachings are these parables. And so today, on Palm Sunday, uh, the Sunday before Easter, which like Nat said, is our biggest celebration of the year, because we are gonna be celebrating the fact that Jesus is not dead, that he is alive, and, um, and that he's changed our lives. And so there's nothing that we can do but celebrate. So I wanna encourage you, come in person if you can, and then also bring some people with you. Uh, we've added some services so that we can make that a little bit easier for you. But today on Palm Sunday, the week before, we're gonna celebrate Easter Sunday. We're looking at one of the most well-known parables in all the Bible. It's a parable that's known as the Good Samaritan. And so we're gonna read a few verses and then we're gonna pray and then we're gonna dive straight into the text today. In uh, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25, it says, one day, an expert in religious law, he stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus does something right here that he does often, if you read through the Bible, is that he doesn't answer the question with an answer. He answers the question with a question. And so Jesus says, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Jesus told him, do this and you will live. And the man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And instead of answering this question with a question, he answers this question with a parable. And Jesus, he replies with this story. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest, which was somebody who worked at the temple. So this would have been like a pastor of that day. So this was a church guy. So a priest, he came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant, maybe your Bible says a Levite. Uh, really, that's like in our world here at our church, that would be like a dream teamer, somebody that serves. And so it says, a temple assistant, he walked over and he looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along and right there, everybody listening would have gasped. 
Because for them, they would have known right then and there that Samaritans and Jewish people at that time, they did not get along. Like they would never interact. They would never be together. And so it was a, so they had no clue what was about to happen. What was this person gonna do to somebody that should have been his enemy? It says the despised Samaritan, he came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn, a hotel, where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins. And most scholars believe that those two silver coins would have taken about two months of actual like rent at that hotel. So basically he paid in advance and said, just I'll take care of the bill, telling him, take care of this man. If the bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. And then Jesus, after telling this parable, asked the man, now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, Yes, now go and do the same. See, today, I believe God wants to do something very significant in your life. I believe God wants to do something big inside of our church. I think this is gonna be a big day for our church. And really my goal and my burden today is to remind us, church, of who we are, to remind us of who God has called our church to be in this city, not just for right now, not just for this week, not just Easter season, not just 2021, but who God has called us to be in this city for decades. I have a burden on my heart to be able to share that with you, to be able to remind us of this is who we are. And I'm praying and believing that today is a line in the sand Sunday, where we put a line in the sand and say from this day forward, This is who we are as a church. And so today, if you're taking notes, I wanna talk to you through this parable on this topic that the other side is no longer an option. Over the next few minutes, I wanna share a message that's so heavy on my heart that I've just called the other side is no longer an option. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful to be here today. I don't think we'll ever take for granted the fact that we get to gather together. And God, I believe that every person that's here is here on a divine assignment from you. Whether that's online, whether that's here in Memorial Hall, whether that's in the overflow room right now, God, I believe that you have called us here. And God, we don't wanna go through the motions. We don't wanna play church. We don't wanna walk out of here different, like the same as when we walked in. We wanna walk out of here different. So God, that, That'll only happen if we hear from you. And so we open up our entire life to you and we thank you for your word that's alive and active and we give you permission to speak today. We love you and it's through the mighty, powerful name of Jesus that we pray and everybody said, amen. Now I love this parable. Uh, I think it's really important for not just, um, I think it's really important for where we are right now. In fact, when I read through this parable in Luke chapter 10, I see three things that we need to think about today. And here's the first thing, write this down, that there are hurting people 
on my road. I think we have to think about that today. We have to think about the fact that there are hurting people, not just on somebody else's road, but my road. Make sure you circle that word, my. That there's hurting people on my road. In verse 30 of Luke 10, it says, A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Now, this road from Jerusalem to Jericho was about 17 to 19 miles long. And it was known at that time as a very dangerous road to travel. So much so that it was known as the red or bloody way. Because people would get attacked so many times when they were walking on this road. And that's exactly what happened here. On this road, we see a man that was attacked, beaten, robbed, stripped of his clothes, everything taken from him, and he was left for dead on the side of the road. And here's what we have to understand today, church, is that just like there was a hurting person on that road, there are hurting people on our road. Just like in this story that we read in Luke 10, that there was a hurting person on that road, there are, make no mistake about it, hurting people on our road. I know this is true because so many of us call greater Cincinnati, northern Kentucky, our home. And by the way, I love our city with all my heart. In fact, when me and my family, when we moved here in January 2018 with a dream in our heart to plant a life-giving church, knowing nobody... Whenever we moved here and we took our stuff off a U-Haul truck and put it into the house that we still live in today, that whenever we did that, we might as well be looking for our burial plot because we're going to love and serve this city till the day that we die. We know that we're home. It's not that we think. It's not that we feel. That, those words are gone from our vocabulary. We know that we're home. We love this city. It's such a beautiful city that's filled with amazing people, just like some of the people that are right here right now. Some of the best people on planet Earth I know are in this room or watching online. I'm telling you, our city is full of amazing people. Our city is full of amazing art and culture, one of the coolest cultures of anywhere I've ever been. And my goodness, church, the food. Well, can I get a good amen from church? That like, no, we can just take it just a few seconds to praise God for the wonderful food, the, 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 the delicious delicacies that we get to eat here in our city. Uh, I'm so thankful for, for the chili. I'm so thankful for the, for the, for the, uh, the, the chocolate chip chunks that are, in, that are so big that are in the ice cream, but they're still somehow still soft. It's, God is good. God is good. I love our city. Famous author in the late 1800s, Charles Dickens, he wrote this. He says, Cincinnati is a beautiful city, cheerful, thriving, and animated. I have not often seen a place that commends itself so favorably and pleasantly to a stranger at the first glance as this does. And that's just as true today as it was then. I love our city. Yes, Cincinnati is a beautiful city. But if you take just a moment and maybe do a quick Google search... You can also see that not only is it a beautiful city, it's also, on the other hand, a broken city. And there's things that when you see it and you're gripped with that, it can shake you. Things like one out of four people in our city live in poverty. That's the sixth highest in the country. And not only that, 40% of kids live in poverty, where the national average is 20%. We'll see crime rate that is three times that 
the national average, the heroin addiction epidemic that results often, sadly, in overdosing, which many of you have maybe personally experienced that with a loved one in your life. And as of 2017, that our city is the fifth most segregated city in the United States. And that's just the social stats. But when you deep dive into the spiritual stats, you'll see that 34% of the population is unchurched or far from God. And that 52% of people 40 years and younger are unchurched. And by the way, all this was before COVID. Where over the last 12 months, everything bad is up. Anxiety, up. Depression, up. Abuse, up. Divorce, up. Loneliness, skyrocketing. Suicide, up. Where over the last 12 months, everything bad is up. And church, I beg you. I have a burden today to beg you to not ever get used to this. To never let your heart become hard to this. To never stop caring about this. To never be okay with this. To never let your heart just get numb to some of the things that we experience. Like, let's never stop doing this because this should break our hearts. But even more than break our hearts, this should stiffen our spines with conviction and courage to do something about this. That's why one of our 10 values as a church from day one That's why our our values, that's what makes us uniquely us. That from day one, we've had these 10 values, and one of them is that our city is our responsibility. That we take the brokenness of our city personally. That we say not on our watch. That we say no, if, let me put it this way, that if it's our road, it's our responsibility. Because that's our home. And our road is our responsibility because those aren't just stats. Those aren't just numbers. Those are real people that have real names and real stories. And I promise you, those names and those stories matter to God so much. Those are people in the city that we call home. Those are people that we work with. Those are people that we go to school with. Those are people that live in the neighborhoods and the townships that we live in. Those are people that we interact with every single day. In other words, let me put it this way. It's our neighbors. Those stats aren't just stats. Those are our neighbors. And Jesus clearly says in Mark 12, 31, to love your neighbor as yourself. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 21, it says, the command that we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. There are hurting people on your road. And if you don't see them, maybe it's because you're not really looking. Maybe over the past year, after everything that we've walked through, as a country, as a world, as a city, through everything that we've experienced. Maybe it's been so easy to be so self-focused and consumed with your issues and your challenges and your problems, your drama, how everything has affected you and how all those things have happened that you don't see anything else but that. Here's the picture that God gave me, is that it's almost like there's my problems 
And by the way, these are very real. I'm not minimizing these. These are very real that take up space in your heart and your mind that we really need God to move in this. That when we sing songs like every, the battle belongs to you, every victory is yours. It's yes, it, it's, it's this. And they're very real. And I'm not minimizing those at all, but here's what can happen sometimes. And I feel like God gave me this picture is that there's oftentimes we can live our life like this, where it is this size. It's not this size, but it's all we see. That everywhere we look, it's because it's so close to us. All we see is our problems and our challenges. And, and truthfully, it is so easy for us to do this. And I'm telling you, God is saying today to our church, don't be so consumed with your life and your problems and your challenges that you don't even see anyone else. Here's what I feel like God told me this morning when I was praying for this is lift up your head. Lift up your head. My oldest son, when he makes a mistake, he has this habit of putting his head down. And he beats himself up. And I'm here to tell you, lift up your head like I tell him. Lift up your head and look around. Here's why. Because there's hurting people that are on our road. There's hurting people that's on our road. And here's the second thing that I think we have to think about today looking at this parable is that there's always an excuse to pass by on the other side. Always. There's always an excuse to pass by on the other side. See, in verse 31, it says, By chance a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Now, here's what I believe. I believe that these two guys are good guys. Like, I don't believe they're malicious. They're more than likely two great guys. These are two men who loved and who served God. These were church people. But for whatever reason, they chose to pass by on the other side. And I'm sure they had good excuses. Maybe it was at the end of a long day. And they've been helping people all day long. And they've been serving. They've been meeting with people. They've had a packed calendar all day long. And they were just on their way home to be dad or to be husband, or to take little Johnny to t-ball practice. And it's like, we got to get home. I got to get something there. My, my, my wife has food waiting on us, and it's time we got to go into, I got to go into dad mode. And maybe that was the case. Or maybe they were on their way to something. Maybe they were on their way to help somebody. Maybe they were on their way to church. That, hey, we are on our way to church. We do not have time to stop because we know we are right up into the time and we got to go through the registration, then they got to give us a seat, and then we got to come in, and we don't have the margin. And by the way, I, I've learned that it's so much easier to go to church than to be the church. And maybe that was the case. And what I found is that it's, it's I'm sure that they had a good excuse, but the reality is there's, there's all, we can always find an excuse to pass by on the other side. It's so easy to say things like this. I'm, I'm just one person. Say, like, what can I really do? What's the difference that I can make right now in this situation? Like, what can I really do? I, I've got 67 followers on Instagram. Like, what can I do? I don't even have a job. I don't have a degree. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough influence. I'm like, who am I? I am just one 
person. It's so easy to say that. It's so easy to say this, that I'm not blank enough. And you fill in that blank. It's so easy to say, I, you know what? I'm just not good enough. Like if you only knew my life, if you only know what I'm struggling with right now, if you could see behind the scenes of what my life is right now, you would see that it's a dumpster fire. So I'm just not good enough to be able to do anything. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not smart enough. Like I, I don't know enough to really help in this situation. Because what if I help them and they ask me a question about the Bible or about God, and I just, I don't know. What if I get asked a question, I don't know. You see, I'm just not smart enough to be able to really help in this situation. I'm not talented enough. I'm not old enough. See, I'm just, I'm just young, I'm just a college student. Like, what am I gonna do? I'm not, I'm just not old enough. Maybe in 10 years, I'll be able to really start making a difference. Maybe on the other hand, you would say, I'm just not young enough. And I put in my time. I don't have the energy that I, I once did. And I've, I've, I've done my time. Now it's time for somebody else. And maybe whatever that you can fill in. Maybe I'm not just a leader enough. Whatever that is so easy to say, I'm not blank enough. It's also so easy. I don't know about you, but for me, it's so easy to say, I'm, I'm too busy. Like, if you only saw my calendar, if you only saw the plates that I'm spinning, all the different things that I have going on in my life, if you only knew how crazy my schedule was, I'm just too busy. I, I, I want to help, but I just don't have any time in my schedule to be able to help. I'm just too busy. And here's what I've learned. I've learned that hurry is the enemy of love. And that we're in a hurry, we're always going. It's so hard to see the things and the needs of, and see what's actually on our road because I'm too busy. I'm flying through life. I'm just too busy. It's, it's so easy to have. There's always an excuse. But all those excuses, what I believe, are really lies from the enemy with one goal, to keep you on the sidelines to be able to whisper all these things in your ear so that you would stay on the sidelines. But I'm tired to tell you today that there are no sidelines when it comes to Christianity. When it comes to following Jesus, there are no sidelines. That if you're on the team, you are in the game. Listen, God wants to use you. Yes, you. I know that there's some people in this room. I know there's people on the other side of that camera, but I'm literally talking to you. You. God wants to use you. And a lot of times you're like, no, God can only use the person to the left, to the right, whoever's in front of me, the people that are on the platform. Those are, that's who God can use, but God could never use me. And I'm here to tell you that God can use you. He wants to use you. He can use you. God wants to use you. See, I believe that God has put you in this city that God's put you in your family, in your friend group, that he's put you in your job, that he's put you in your school, in your neighborhood, every single place that you go, the place where you go get groceries. I believe that every single place that he's put you is there for a reason. And that reason is to make a difference and to make an eternal impact in the lives of other people. Matthew chapter five, verse 14 and 16, Jesus says, you're here to be light. 
bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm gonna hide you under a bucket, do you? I used to grow up in BBS and we used to sing this song that says, hide me under a bushel. No, I'm gonna let that bad boy shine. I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, church, shine. Church, that's who you are. That's who Jesus says that you are, that you are light. And when you know who you are, you will know what to do. He says, this is who you are. See, purpose is not only reserved for the religious elite. It's not just for the people that stand on a platform and wear these little thingies. It's not just made for the people that play guitar or lead, sing songs. It's, see, it's not made for the religious elite. It's made for you. Like God has purpose for you. And no matter what your personality is, no matter your imperfections, no matter what's happened in the past, I'm telling you, God created you on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. And that is to make a difference. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, if we, for we are God's handiwork, another translation says masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus, not just to think about good things, not just to pray about good things, how about this, not just to watch other people do good things, but that God created you in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, if you don't do them, we're all missing out. And by the way, that's what Grow Track is all about today, is to help you discover this is how God made you, and here's the things that you can do to be able to make a difference. So to recap, here are things that we need to know from Luke chapter 10, is that number one, there are hurting people on my road. Number two, there is always an excuse to pass by on the other side. And number three, there is always a choice. Always. And here's the choice. Am I going to pass by on the other side or am I going to be moved by compassion? That's the choice that you and I have today. Are we going to pass by on the other side or are we going to be moved by compassion? Luke chapter 10, verse 33, it says, Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Now that phrase right there, felt for compassion, it literally means to be moved by compassion. That's why he just didn't feel it. It actually led him to do something about it. Because this word right here, this, this compassion, that he, it, it's more than just a feeling. It's a feeling that actually leads to action. See, this man, he just didn't feel compassion for the guy that was on the side of the road. He was moved by compassion to actually stop and reach down there and give him what he needed to be able to do that. And that is what it means to be able to be moved by compassion. So what would that look like in our lives? What would that look like in our day-to-day -day life practically for us to not just feel compassion, but to be moved by compassion? Well, when I look at this story, this parable, and I notice two things that the, that the Good Samaritan does that Jesus, at the very end, where he says, hey, guys, listen, now go and do the same exact things. And the first thing that he does is just meet physical needs. 
That's the very first thing that the good Samaritan did is he was able to meet physical needs. I don't know if you thought about this, but he didn't preach at him on the side of the road. He didn't say, hello, sir. Do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? He didn't do that. He didn't say, well, you know what? You are very close to death, it looks like. Do you know if you would spend eternity in heaven or hell? Like, he didn't do that. He, he, didn't, he didn't sit there and try to preach out. He didn't even pray for healing. You know, I think a lot of times we think, oh, if he was a man of faith, he would just, just get down there and in the name of Jesus, we ask this infirmity to leave you. By your stripes, Jesus, we are healed. But that's not what he does. What does he do? He just meets his physical needs. He put him on his donkey. And he helped him with lodging. And he bandaged his wounds. And he gave him food and water. And then on top of all that, he paid the bill. He just simply met his physical needs. So one of the best ways to practically love your neighbor, to care for those that are on the side of the road, is to look for opportunities, like have your spiritual radar always on, never taking it down, to look for ways that you can practically meet physical needs, to love and to serve people with no strings attached, just to look for ways that you can do that, to find people who are hungry and just give them something to eat. To look for people that are thirsty and give them water. Look for people that don't have the right clothing and get them as much clothing as possible. To help somebody at your job that is struggling and just help them. How about this? To find somebody who's lonely and to be their friend. Just practical ways to meet needs that people have. And here's what we believe. Is that meeting physical needs eventually will open spiritual doors. That by meeting needs, it will eventually open up doors to be able to give them what they truly need. Meeting physical needs will always open spiritual doors. So when I first see what he does, he meets physical needs. Here's the second thing. is just practically bring people to church. See, when you read this story, you see that the good Samaritan, he got him to an inn. He got him to a hotel. And many scholars believe that this inn, in this parable, it represents the local church where people are cared for. That's why we believe that the local church is the hope of the world. That's why we believe that the local church is the hope of Cincinnati. That's the hope of every single one of those stats and statistics that break our heart. And one of the best ways that I believe that we can practically help people that are on our road is to get them to the inn to bring people to church. And by the way, there is no greater time to do that than this Sunday, Easter Sunday, the biggest celebration of the year. In fact, stats show that people are more likely to say yes to an invitation at Easter than any other time of the year. Because people are like, Easter, yeah, we gotta go to church. And stats actually show that, you know, of all the weeks to ask somebody, like this week, is the, the best chance to get a yes. And here's what I believe with all my heart, is that after the year that we've experienced, after everything that we've gone through as a world over the last 12 months, I think a lot of people need Easter. I think a, a lot of people need hope. 
I think a lot of people need joy. I think a lot of people need peace. I think a lot of people need to belong. I think a lot of people need community. I think a lot of people need a fresh start. And ultimately, I think a lot of people right now need Jesus. I really do. And I want you to hear this. God can use you this Easter. And I'm not asking you to stand up and preach next week. I got that on lock. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm not asking you to explain the Bible or answer every question. I'm not asking you to lead worship next week. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Do what I can't do. And what I can't do is know the people in your circles. But I'm telling you, play a part next week. Do that. I'm, I'm asking you to say just these seven words that I believe could forever change somebody's life. To look for opportunities next week to say, will you come with me to church? And ask it that way. Say, come with me. Like, will you come with me to church? And I believe God could take those seven words and forever change somebody's life. And so this week, I'm challenging you as your pastor, if you call this church home, to invite at least one person to one of our four Easter services. And we're creating room to be able to accommodate that. And we're going to make sure that it's a safe, fun environment, that it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. But we need your help. And I'm asking you to pray about it. Say, God, who do you want me to be able to do that? There's some people that are in this room right now that are so good at that. And God continues to bless that. And so many people's lives have been changed and been blessed because people have had the courage to say those words. And I'm just asking you to do that. And I, I just believe that if that happens next week, I believe, could you picture it? Could you picture that God put somebody in your path over the next seven days, or he's already put them in your path. Maybe it's your friend, family, a coworker, it's a neighbor, somebody that you go to school with, and God's put it, and just imagine that you have the courage to say those seven words, and they say yes, and you work it out to figure out the service that you wanna to go to, and then you show up together, Maybe go for coffee beforehand. You show up and our commitment is when that happens that we're not gonna be setting up while you're showing up. We're gonna be ready. Everything's gonna be ready and in order. The dream team's gonna be there to welcome and to make it be in a great, fun environment. And we'll make sure that everything's safe and clean and we'll, we'll bring you to the spot where you're gonna sit. Then you'll get here and you'll go through the service, you'll hear the best message you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> Kidding. Sort of. Because I know that next week we're gonna share the good news of the gospel. That is the best news. I don't care who's saying it. And I'm gonna give people an opportunity to make the most important decision of their life make the decision for them to follow Jesus, to give them their life, to say yes to Jesus, yes to the cross, yes to grace. And I'm gonna have everybody bow their head and close their eyes. And if you brought somebody, I give you permission to peek. Just don't make it obvious. It's kind of one eye. Just, yeah. 
and you see tears well up in their eyes. And the truth of the gospel hits their heart. And you see them raise their hand, but more than raise a hand, you're seeing somebody with your own eyes that was blind that is now seen, that's lost and now found, that was dead, now they're alive. Would you picture that? I'm telling you, if that happens, it will be your favorite Easter ever. I'm telling you, church is so much better when it's not about you. And we're trying to add some services to make sure that we do that well. And I want to make sure you understand our heart crystal clear is that we don't want to be a big church, but we unapologetically want to make a big difference because God's given us a big mission. And so my prayer this Easter is that you decide that the other side is no longer an option. That when there's hungry people in this city that we call home, that the other side is no longer an option, that when there's people in our city that are going to bed hungry, that the other side is no longer an option. When people are hurting, the other side is no longer an option. When there are people who think that the only way out is suicide because they're so gripped with depression, that the other side is no longer an option, that when there's racism, division, injustice, inequality, the other side is no longer an option, that when people are going prematurely to the grave because of addiction, that the other side is no longer an option, that when there are people in our circles, on our road that are lost and that are far from God, the other side is no longer an option. We can't do everything, but we can do something. Because the other side is no longer an option. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And today, I want to lead two very specific responses. And uh, before we leave, I, I really wanted to lead two, two responses. And the first is, I want to give you the opportunity to get right with God. Maybe you're here and, um, and you're just, you know your relationship with God is not what it needs to be. Maybe today you need to start or you need to restart a relationship with God because maybe when you hear that parable, you relate way more to the person that is on the side of the road. And the truth is, that story is all of our stories, that we were lost, alone, broken, desperate, and headed towards death. But Jesus, through the cross, he came to us. And he bandaged our wounds. He took care of us. He saved us. He paid our bill and saved our lives, something that we could never do ourselves. So maybe you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus. You've never received the free gift of grace. Maybe you've never given him your life. Or maybe you're here and you have at one point in the past. But today you find yourself at church and you are far from God. And today you need a fresh start. We're not gonna point you out. We're not gonna make you come forward. We're not gonna embarrass you in any way. But if you're here and you know that's the decision that you need to make, whether you're in the room, you're watching online, you're in one of our overflow rooms, if you're here and you want to give him your heart, you wanna say yes to Jesus, you wanna receive grace, you wanna get right with God, you want a fresh start, I wanna lead you in a simple prayer. 
And if you want to be included in that prayer, in just a moment, I'm gonna count to three. And if you wanna be included in that prayer, raise your hand, the best decision of your life, and say, include me in that prayer. I wanna be right with God today. If that's you on the count of three and you know that's your response today, just put your hand boldly in the air. One, two, three. If that's you, just put your hand in the air and say, that's me, that's me, that's me. I got you, I got you. Anybody else? Yep, 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 yep. Proud of you. That's awesome. And I want you to pray something like this in your heart. Say, Jesus, I need you. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. Will you come live inside me? Will you change me and make me brand new? I surrender my whole life to you. I give you my life. And today, I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. And with every head still bowed and every eye closed, I told you earlier that I believe that today is a line in the sand moment for our church. A day where we together in unity say the other side is no longer an option. So I'm here just asking that if you're here and you say, you know what, I have conviction that the other side is no longer an option. Yes, there's always an excuse. Yes, there's a choice. And the choice I'm making today is to say that the other side is no longer an option. So if you're with me and you say, yes, the other side is no longer an option, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Just right now, you say, today, the other side is no longer an option. I'm staying, come on, if you are online and you're at home and you say, today, I feel conviction that the other side is no longer an option in my city, in my neighborhood, in my family, in my friend circle, in my job, my school. The other side is no longer an option. I want you to pray this prayer out loud. And I'm going to have it on the screen. We're going to pray this bad boy together. But I'm going to ask that we just don't do it in like this mumble voice. You know, a lot of times when like people in big crowds, like I'm saying, let's pray with conviction, with passion, that we mean this with all our our heart. So go ahead. Let's pray this together. God, today I make a decision that the other side is no longer an option. I choose to make a difference however I can, whenever I can, to whomever I can. God, help me to see the broken people on my road. Open my eyes to see people the way you see people. Open my eyes to see our city the way you see our city. Break my heart for what breaks yours. God, as your church, we decide together in unity that the other side is no longer an option. We may not be able to do everything, but we know we can do something. We don't commit to just go to church. We commit to be the church. Use us and give us vision, strategy, creativity, and innovation to make a difference in our city that we call home. Open doors no person can open. However you want to use us, our answer is yes. We pray that revival sweeps through our city like never before, that thousands and thousands of people will come to know you. Bless our church and every church in our city. May your kingdom come and your will be done in Cincinnati as it is in heaven. We ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Come on, can you clap your hands and celebrate that if you mean that today? Yeah.
And listen, what I don't want to get lost in this moment is that there were some people that just made the best decision of their life. So come on, church, can you clap your hands and celebrate with them? Come on, that's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople.com.